Back with you, another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz here with you today as we get ready for a victory, we hope, after back-to-back Hawkeye losses. Certainly a lot of frustration inside the Iowa fan base as Iowa Falls. 17-12 to Penn State. Biz back in Kinnick Stadium for the first time this year. And uh, difficult to find a whole lot of positives to walk away after two straight losses. Yeah, frustrating is the uh, the correct word. You know, last week we we went out of our way, I think, to try to find uh, some silver linings and be positive. Well, uh, that ain't happening today, Trent. I'm I'm, I'm not sure there's any way you can spin those back-to-back losses in a positive way. Um, you know, for whatever reason, this law, the Penn State loss really uh, had a hard time putting it behind me, and it really frustrated the heck out of me. So. Uh, I finally punished myself last night and decided to watch the, uh, the hour-long replay. And uh, it, it, it's pretty clear, Trent, that the reason it's so frustrating is when we lost teams like Michigan or Penn State in the past, generally there is a, a talent gap. I mean, even in the years we talked about last week, even when we've had the big wins against them like Penn State in 2008 and Michigan in 2016, you know, there's even a talent gap there and things just, you know, we've, Things broke our way, but in watching that tape, the replay, there's just not a talent gap anymore, right? On either team, we're as good as them at quarterback. Our skill positions were just as good. Our defense is clearly just as good. Uh, it just comes down to one simple area: the interior offensive line got their butts kicked, and that's what makes it so frustrating. Is that something that just shouldn't happen with Iowa football? They're supposed to be. Uh, O-line you, and, and that certainly has not been the case the last two weeks. So what do you chalk this up to? I mean, when, when you go through and you look at what are the reasons that I was in this current predicament and, and the interior of the offensive line, uh, Justin Britt, I, I know they're excited about his future, but that's still a true freshman that is out there. Is it just recruiting misses, guys that are out there, or is it something deeper, more systemic, that this is a, a problem with the program as a whole and what they're trying to do with the offensive line and the run game? I, that's a good question. And I think, unfortunately, it's probably uh, a little of all those things, Trent. I mean, I think there's some recruiting misses. I think when you got guys like the Paulsons that have been in the uh, program for five years now, uh, they're still average at best. They clearly just weren't great offensive line recruits to begin with. Um, I, I think part of it comes down to I think teams have kind of figured out uh, – you know, the, the zone blocking scheme a little bit, and it's just something that, you know, isn't working as well as it did in the past. But I chalk a lot of it up to, you know, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to have three kind of savants when it comes to offensive line coaching on our team. Our, our head coach is supposed to be an offensive line guru. Our offensive coordinator was obviously an all Big Ten performer and an NFL lineman himself. And our O line coach, you know, was an offensive coordinator at, you know, pretty much a, a rushing machine at North Dakota State. You know, somewhere along the line, you get those three combined together, it, your expectations, whether the recruiting is, is average or not, you just got to expect better than what we saw on Saturday. Because you go back, and I don't know if you've seen the tape again, but, you know, you and I were obviously watching from 
from the stands on Saturday night, and it didn't come out quite as obvious as it does on tape just how bad the offensive, the interior offensive line looked. I mean, just time and time again, just mistakes as far as going the wrong direction or not blocking anyone, and that's, you know, that's just, just baffling. Can't have it. Can't have it if I was going to have a chance to beat teams like that. Here we are, two frustrating losses, two games that were certainly winnable, but Iowa on the back end of it. Four and two overall, one and two in the conference. It is Purdue this week, but... Ah, there's just so much here to to be frustrated about, and they can still hit all their goals. I understand everything's still on the table, but the reason my frustration's here is now we look over the last year and a half. Last year, there was an opportunity. The Badgers were finally down. Wisconsin was finally down. The West was there for the taking. Iowa obviously had a talented enough team to be in the Big Ten championship game. Lost to Penn State. We know about the losses and what happened there. Here they are now this season. You hope, all right, they're going to be able to figure out a way. It doesn't happen again. They're not able to get it done. It looks to be another 8-4 and four type of year, maybe 9-3. and three, But even with that, it is going to feel hollow because there's so much talent on this team. These windows, they don't happen every single year. When the opportunity is there, Iowa has to take advantage. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what I said at the top, Trent. I mean, the talent gap, <coughs> we've narrowed that with, with some of the uh, – the upper echelon teams. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't played clean football. I mean, when you, when you combine the fact that the offensive line played very poorly with the fact that we had six turnovers in, two, in those two games, uh, you know, that's just, we've talked about it in the past. The, uh, you know, the margin between winning football and losing football for Iowa is so small that you just can't shoot yourself in the foot. And, and the other thing, that popped out on tape is it was every single drive there was just one mistake, whether it was, you know, a poor pass or, or a sack or a penalty. I mean, every single drive we just, you know, it, it's it's infuriating to watch because the talent's there. You know, there's been years in the past where, you know, no matter what we do, the talent's just not always there. But like you said, it feels like a missed opportunity over the last year and a half because, like you said, the, the West seems to have been right to the taking, or, or at the very least, to be in contention come mid to late November. But it looks like both years we're going to be out of the race by, you know, three, four weeks to go in the season. So uh, it's frustrating. But, again, maybe we shouldn't be surprised by this, Trent. You and I have talked about this, I think, going back to even the Rose Bowl year, that interior guard, interior line play, and especially the guards, just hasn't been great at any point in the last three or four years. It's yeah. been average at times, but it's never been – what I consider to be a strength on a team that prides itself on being physical and having great offensive lines. It's a good call. And uh, even going back to, you know, when they were running the football effectively, Akram and LaShun together, both having a thousand yards that season, there were still always issues. The year they won the Joe Moore award. I mean, that was more of a lifetime achievement award than the actual best offensive line in college football that year. And the sacks that they've given up, just different things that have happened here. I don't know. I don't know what the answer, and maybe that's where some of the frustration lies, too. Yeah, again, you know, there, I don't think you can pinpoint on one thing. I don't think you can say the scheme's wrong. I don't think you can say the recruiting's failed. I don't think you can say the coaching is the, you know, the problem. I think it's, like I said, I think it's a mixture of all three of those things. And, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're now midway through the season, so it's, you know, there's not going to be a quick fix to any of those, but, uh, you know, 
hopefully Purdue will be the uh, the elixir because their defense seems to be uh, about as bad as it gets when it comes to Big Ten outside of uh, Rutgers, Illinois. Yes, there's no doubt. We'll take a look at the Purdue game coming up here in just a little bit. But before that, Stat Boy hard at work again. He was doing work. Did you even give him an assignment? He just came up with something on his own. Oh, I gave him I gave him kind of three mini assignments. You know, I, I didn't think either one of us probably wanted to do a deep dive into the uh, the wonderful Iowa-Purdue rivalry, even though they were our, our bitter rivalry. Yes. Bitter rival during the uh, Legends and Leaders days. So, uh, But I didn't. I didn't waste his time digging into that. Instead, I, I asked him three simple questions. Uh, we'll go through all three of them and, and see. It's kind of a quiz a little bit. We'll see if you can get the answers. Uh, are you ready? Okay. Yes, I am. All right. First one, obviously everybody knows the offense was bad the last two weeks. So so how bad was it, Trent? 15 points scored over the last two weeks. There are only two uh, FBS teams that have scored less than 15 points over the last two weeks. I'll give you a hint. They're both Big Ten teams. Can you name them? Uh, I'm going to go with Rutgers being the first one. That's the obvious one. That's, that's a safe guess. You can probably guess that at any two weeks this year. So, and yeah, Rutgers is correct. Michigan State? You are correct. Rutgers has scored seven points in the last two, and uh, Michigan State has scored ten in the last two. So uh, not uh, not a real pretty offensive week for the Big or a couple weeks for the Big Ten, but uh, – when you're being put in categories offensive-wise with Rutgers and Michigan State, you know you got some problems because those two are kind of the uh, the punchlines for bad offenses in college football right now. That is true. All right, Biz, I got one right. What else you got for me? So the second one, and this isn't really a quiz question, but an interesting um, category, I thought. Last two weeks we held Penn State and Michigan under 300 yards, which obviously you'd think is usually a, a recipe for success. So I asked that boy, over the years in the, in the Ferentz and Fry era, when we've held Penn State or Michigan under 300 yards, have we ever lost? Uh, what's your guess? Have we lost either team in, in the past when uh, playing that good a defense? I, I would say yes. The game that pops to mind is uh, our second RV trip when – I rode along with you guys out to Penn State. That was just a boring game. It was like, what, 17-7 or something? I'm going to guess, yes, that was the one. You are incorrect. So, well, your answer is correct. We have had a couple of uh, losses in those situations. But Penn State, we have never we had never lost to Penn State with one of them under 300 yards. 4-0 against them uh, in the past. 2001, 2003, 2004, and 2008, we held them under uh, – under 300 in each of those games and won all four. Mm. Michigan, there's actually been three times when we lost and held them to under 300 yards. But the interesting thing is when you look at the numbers, all three of those losses Michigan score, or Michigan gained over 290 yards. So when you raise the bar to 290 or more, over the years, well, 14-0 and 0 against Michigan and Penn State <laughs> When, when we've held them to 290 yards or less. So, unfortunately, we were 14-0 and two weeks ago and now 14-2 uh, and because we held both of them under 290 and lost both games. So, just tells you, A, how good our defense is, has been, and, and B, how, how inept our offense has been the last two weeks. Defense is holding up their end of the bargain. It's the offense that's the problem. And, and for the people who say, well, you know, this defense isn't turning the teams over enough, you just got to be better. Right? You, you can't afford to be this good defensively and lose both of these games. 
Yeah, it feels like we're we're wasting a uh, you know a once in a decade opportunity when it comes to defense. So that was kind of that was kind of thought behind my last question to Stat Boy, and this is a quiz question for you again. Defense has obviously been great through half the year. In fact, we've held every opponent to 17 or less. There are two other teams, again, two only, in all of FBS who have done that, 17 or less in all of their games. Can you name those two? Uh, Wisconsin's got to be one, don't they? That is correct. Wisconsin has held, uh, you know, shut out four teams, and the other two are 14 and 15 to uh, Michigan and Northwestern. So uh, the other one... Um, We'll see if you can get it, but I'll give you a hint if you need. Is it Penn State? It is Penn State. Well played, Trent. Uh, uh, I'm sure you were cheating while I was explaining that, but uh, I didn't hear you clicking away on a keyboard, so good job. <laughs> no, uh, the, the only reason that popped into my head is going into the week, just you know, looking through random stats and seeing that them scoring defense-wise was one of the tops in the country, and the Hawks put 12 on the board, so I figured that had to be the case. Yeah, so they've, they've held every team under 17. So those two teams combined are 12 and 0. Um, you did quite well on the Stat Boy quizzes. And uh, again, it just shows the Big Ten is not exactly a uh, offensive juggernaut right now, considering the, the answers to both sides, the offensive and defensive quiz questions, were uh, all Big Ten teams. All right, Biz. We're halfway through the season. I was 4 and 2 on pace for an 8 and 4, which would feel disappointing as we've talked about here today. Thoughts on, do you want to just look back at the first half or a look forward to the second half as we hit the halfway point? Uh, let's look forward. I think if we look back, I think we're probably just beating a dead horse at this point. There's not much more to say than offense, not so good, defense, really good. I mean, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to see what our strengths and weaknesses have been halfway through. So let's look ahead and try to be positive, Terrence. Well, and I think there's still plenty of positivity that can be there. These next two weeks, you have Purdue and Northwestern, though both teams have winning streaks against Iowa. They feel much more winnable than these two games even felt you know, throughout the summertime. These are two games. Purdue, when I was going through in WNL and it, I put this down as a loss, and it's because of what Jeff Brom has done against Iowa and, and really dominating Kirk Ferentz. So that's one that I had for an L. Now Iowa's a 17.5, 18-point favorite in this football game, one they certainly should win. The other one, Northwestern, has been completely inept offensively. They're good defensively here. It'll probably be an ugly game. It'll be low scoring. They'll have to play in that stupid long grass over there in Evanston. But still, two more winnable games than I thought it was before the year. And the rest of the way, the only game that really does scare you is the Wisconsin game. You have six games left, and you're going to be favored more than likely in five of them. Yeah, the, the spread this week certainly has a, a, a Vegas nose feel to it. That, that spread uh, shocked me. 17, starting at 17 surprised me, and the fact that it's gone up to even 18 in certain places uh, really surprises me. So uh, Vegas must know, Trent. They must they must think we're ready for a bounce back this week. And uh, you know, we did the thorough analysis on the bounce back last week, and obviously they didn't they didn't come through as expected. So yeah, I, I think you're you're spot on. I mean. Nine and three. If you let's say we hypothetically win those five games that we're probably going to be favored in, you know, if we end out nine and three, and our three losses are the uh, the three kind of signature opponents that we played this year, as far as national rankings, I and mean, obviously there's an opportunity to win a lot of trophy games if you can, you know, if you can keep Floyd, you, you keep whatever the heck the trophy is for Nebraska, and you beat Iowa State. You know, all is not lost for the year, but that nine and three feels pretty. Uh, 
pretty hollow given the potential opportunity this team seems to have had. It does. And really, it's going to come down to take care of business these next two weeks, have the bye week, get ready, and then take your shot against Wisconsin. And, well, it hasn't been a very good shot here as of late. It's going to be a road game, and we know what they can do defensively and what we've seen out of Iowa. But you know, that's a month away. You're a month away here and a chance certainly to at least right some of the wrongs that have happened. That's the optimistic viewpoint. Yeah, you get through these next two weeks, then you, you get in the bye week, and, and, you know, optimism returns. Yeah, it's hard right now because I think everybody's just so down and, and frustrated the last two weeks. But uh, break it down, get these next two wins, and then, like you said, you, know, you never know what happens. I mean, Wisconsin's looked like a world beater against everybody except for Northwestern, which obviously Northwestern and us defensively are, are pretty similar. So, you know, I, I don't see them – just destroying us, but uh, right now anybody that, that feels even a slight bit of confidence between us and, and Wisconsin uh, is fooling themselves. I mean, they're just at a different level than us right now, and uh, it pains me to say that, but it, it's becoming more and more clear uh, that last year was just an aberration for them, and they are a, uh, mm-hmm. a, a much, much uh, cleaner product than we are right now. You know, it's so crazy going back to uh, July when I went over to Chicago for Big Ten Media Days, and there was buzz about seemingly everybody short of Illinois and Wisconsin in the Big Ten West this year. It was uh, Nebraska, they're coming in year number two of Frost. This Iowa team, they got a lot of NFL talent. They're going to turn the corner this season. It was Minnesota being that dark horse team, and they were talked about and speculated a whole lot. Purdue, uh, what Brahma's done in, in that program, hardly anybody was talking about Wisconsin and Maybe it was just everybody outside of the, the Badger media was hopeful that they were taking that step back, yet here we are. Yeah, I think part of it was just Badger fatigue. fatigue. I think people were sick and tired of uh, picking them to win every year, plus the schedule. I mean, the schedule, as we talked about, is just mm-hmm. brutal. But they've uh, they've navigated it quite well, and they, they destroyed the two uh, Michigan schools. Uh, and so uh, I still don't think they're probably good enough to beat Ohio State next week, but uh, it certainly wouldn't shock me. Not at all. All right, Biz, as we uh, continue our conversation, it's got to start with the win this week. You have to bounce back. You have to beat this Purdue team. Yet, I, you mentioned the point spread and, and that lingering doubt. My doubt continues with what they can do up the sideline with David Bell and the, the rest of the receivers. Doesn't look like Rondell Moore is going to be a go this week. Regardless, though, Purdue and the way that Purdue is game-planned and schemed over the last two years against Iowa at least has to give you a shred of doubt, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. You know, Brom appears to have our number, and, you know, I still worry. I mean, the secondary has has been pieced together and has done well, but uh, until they show that they can uh, figure out Jeff Brom's system, I you'd be crazy not to be a little worried. So, um, you know, I think it's one of those games where if we get off to a good start and we get some confidence going and we get things going, I, I can see us easily covering the spread and winning by, you know, three touchdowns or more. But, you know, the longer you let them hang around and, you know, build some confidence, and, and you know, this is a, you know, three-point game at the half, I'm, I'm very worried about the, the fact that, that Jeff Brown will find a way to uh, make some big plays against us and, and pull out a uh, upset. So, yeah. And, like I said, I think the whole fan base is a little uh, you know, has some trepidation about the program right now. So we need we need things to go well on Saturday and at least get the arrow pointed back in the right direction. 
that we do, and we're going to see that happen, get that ground game going a little bit. Speaking of the ground game, do you, do you think it's time? The numbers are a little bit swayed with what happened against Middle Tennessee, but maybe give Torn Young a little bit more run now. Yeah, you and I have talked about that in the past. I guess I'm a little confused as to what our game plan is with, with running back. It seems like it, it changes weekly, and you know, you know Torrin seems either seems like either gets about 13, 14 carries or about two or three carries. So there's no, there's really no in between. But uh, no, I think if you're talking running backs, I think this is the perfect week to get Tyler Goodson 20 carries and uh, kind of anoint him as, as the future running back. It's time. I mean, you saw it on the other side of the ball last week. Noah Kane was clearly the best running back for Penn State, and and he finally realized that, uh, especially late in the game. I think he had, you know, ten carries in the fourth quarter alone. So it, it's time. Tyler Goodson needs to uh, touch ball fifteen, twenty times on Saturday. Whether that's you know five passes and ten runs, that's fine with me. But uh, there's no reason he shouldn't touch the ball double digits every game going forward. Right there with you. Got to see both those guys, and this is a team you certainly can run it against as they have struggled this year. So we're going through from Purdue Northwestern after that and then the bye week, but uh, plenty to get into before that. Let's get into our bets for the week. Uh, Last week, a profitable one for both of us. Might have been the uh, first week of the season that we've both been on the plus side of the ledger. You're you're digging out of the hole, Trent. What do you know? 500 behind, or uh, you, you chipped your deficit in half, I believe. Yes, yeah, I was down to uh, minus 975 a couple of weeks ago, and have won 200 bucks each of the last week. Still in the red, minus 575. You are now at plus 250 on the year, but we're we're battling our way back and and trying to make this respectable before we get to the end of the season. I got a slew of games that I kind of like this week, and. That's where the problem is. Now, do you spread it out amongst those and hope to put together a winning re- week? Do you just take one or two and, and go all in along with the, the national game that we bet each week? And this week it'll be Penn State-Michigan uh, out at the whiteout in State College. It's that, that difficult spot that you can be when you're not just going with a set number of picks every week. You can play around with this money. i got to figure out how to do it. Well, whatever you do, you need to stop doing your parlays and teasers <laughs> and money lines because I yeah. think uh, you're o for whatever on those. You've actually been pretty good on your straight up picks. It's uh, your your unique picks every week. I think that that's what's that's what's got you in the hole, Trent. So, well, don't don't keep the uh, listeners in suspense. What do you decide to do? A c- couple big bets or uh, a bunch of small ones? We're going to go with five hundred dollar wagers this week, and I'm going to start with the national game uh, that we're both going to pick. It will be in-state college. Nine, nine and a half. That point spread keeps going up, and, and that has added a little bit more concern for me, but I bet on Penn State from the get-go. I just think they're a better team than Michigan. This thing does have ugly, low scoring set into it, and when you get over a touchdown, sometimes that can be a little bit concerning. But I'm just going to go with the team that I think is quite a bit better, and that is Penn State. I'll lay the nine points with the Nittany Lions. I'm on the other side, and for kind of the same reasons you just said. I think there's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. Um, I don't think either team's all that great, to be honest with you. Like I said, I think our talent level is just as good as both of them. I think they're they're good teams, but they're not elite national-level type teams. So I think this first one to 20 wins the game. So uh, with that type of low scoring in mind, give me give me Michigan, whatever it is, plus nine or nine and a half. All right. So Biz is in. We're on opposite sides to uh, kick things off here. My other four picks, I got two in the ACC and two in the SEC. 
Of course, the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast is where you go for all your SEC and ACC information. Let's start first with the SEC. I'll throw both these picks at you. Uh, two different vantage points. First, South Carolina at home for Florida. Gamecocks pulled off the shocker. I went back and uh, watched one of those condensed versions of that game. There's no way South Carolina should have been in that football game. I don't know how they pulled it out. Florida coming off a loss. They've been back-to-back. Some people think now this might be a little bit of a letdown spot for Florida. I would believe it if they would have beat LSU, but awful loss. I think they go into Columbia. They control this game and win it easily. They're a six-point favorite on the road. I'll go with the favorite in Florida for the first part of the SEC. The second uh, pick is Mississippi State at home against LSU. Much like LSU, they have the letdown factor, I think. And Mississippi State can't look as bad as they did against Tennessee last week. I think you're going to see a bounce back here from the Bulldogs. So I got Mississippi State plus 19.5 and Florida minus 6 each for 100 bucks. I've got, I got two Big 12 favorites to, to start things off, Trent. Um, give me 100 each on Okie State and Texas to cover. Um, Okie State plays an undefeated Baylor team. Uh, they've been playing with a uh, lucky horse, too. I, I think this is the week where the luck runs out. Okie State's got a uh, coming off a bye week. I think they will come out and uh, not only beat Baylor, but beat them, beat them pretty handily. So give me Okie State minus three and a half. Uh, the other one, give me Texas minus 21. Um, they're playing Kansas. Uh, I, I did not learn my lesson when I took Oklahoma against Kansas earlier, but uh, give it to me again. I still think this line's too low, and I think Kansas is still truly awful. So give me uh, the Longhorns giving three touchdowns, and Okie State giving three and a half. 100 on each. 100 on each, and what did you put on Michigan? Uh, 50. I, I have zero confidence in Michigan, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the minimum. The minimum is 50, so Biz has got 250 left to play with. I got 200 left to play with. Going 100 across the board to the ACC. First up, Florida State on the road at Wake Forest. Come on. I, I know it's silly to say to many people, but Wake Forest is a lot better than Florida State. You're laying two here. Something stinks, and I'll probably do some more investigation, but that one seems like a lock. The other one, last Friday, it was one of your picks. You had it nailed, and I jumped on with you. Miami, as they beat Virginia, something stunk about that line. Virginia's a lot better team than what they looked like last Friday night. An extra day to prepare. Duke is okay, but Virginia is certainly more than a field goal better. So I'll lay the three with the Hoos and uh, take them at home against Duke minus three, along with Wake Forest minus the two. Well, my last two, Trent, are I think my first two over-unders of the year, uh, other than our our required bets for the end of the week. So two over-unders. Last year I think I was terrible in over-unders for our picks, but uh, two jumped out at me this week. First one. 100 on the under in Oregon, Washington. That's 50 and a half. Uh, both of these two teams, whenever they've played a defense that has a pulse, have struggled to put up many points. Um, I think both these defenses are capable, so I think you're going to see a uh, lower scoring game than you usually see between these two. So give me the under at 50 and a half. Give me 100 on that. And then my last 150, Trent, give me the over, uh, over 60 in Clemson, Louisville. Uh, I don't think Louisville is going to win this game, but I think they can put up some points against Clemson and make this a uh, an old-fashioned shootout. You look, Clemson put up 664 yards against BC, scored 62 points against Wake last week. They can score. Um, I don't know if they can play any defense, but uh, I think they'll make this a shootout. And, and, uh, Clemson will win, but they're going to have to score a lot of points to do it. So uh, that's my, my big bet of the week, put 150 on the over. 
150 on the over. Clemson, Louisville, the under in the Oregon-Washington game. Biz also has Texas in Oklahoma State along with Michigan plus the nine. I am on Penn State, Wake Forest, Mississippi State, Florida, and Virginia. Our picks this week here as Biz tries to build the bankroll that is on the plus side. And I continue to work to dig out of the hole. Each and every week, Biz, before we get out of here, we do this. It's time again for Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the Day. Yeah, long national nightmare is over. Uh, I don't know if you knew it, but over the last six weeks, I have been living in uh, temporary housing in a condo with my family, uh, a two-bedroom condo for five of us. So it's been a, it's been a tight fit, but we finally this week uh, closed on our new house and moved in. Um, the reason I tell this story and, and the reason that it's business beat of the week is uh, it shows that we're we have not reached the level of degeneracy that, that we that we could get to, Trent, because uh, prior to closing the house this week, over the last month or so, I've had an absurd amount of money in my bank account because uh, our old house closed and it's just <laughs> been sitting there. But uh, fortunately, uh, I'm happy to report, Trent, I did not follow my own advice during last week's podcast. I did, I did not bet the house on, on Iowa and their bounce back. Um, in fact, I don't think either you or I bet anything on the Hawks last week. Yep. But uh Proud to report, although we may be degenerate, Trent, we have not reached that level where we are truly uh, betting the house, so, uh, at, least, at least not yet. Not yet. Haven't got to that point. Everything is good. The bankroll's still uh, up and standing. I think, I don't know if I told you, I was told uh, some people at the tailgate, going into the weekend, uh, I had put my initial $200 in my account when it opened up at William Hill over at Prairie Meadows. I was at 186 going into the weekend. I was down 14 bucks on the year. Back and forth we go throughout the season. Well, you've done you've done significantly better on your uh, your radio show picks yes. than you have on this podcast. I don't know. You need to uh, focus in on less games, I guess, because I, I think you're uh, all over the board. Apparently, yeah, yeah, it's been really good. I'm 23 and 12 against the number on my radio show. I uh, also have a television show on Mediacom that I have every week, a gambling show. I've been awful in that. I think I'm down like. We did kind of the same thing that we did, uh, Biz. We started with $2,000 bankroll at the beginning of the year. That thing's been about cut in half. It's been ugly over there as I tried to dig out of the hole here. Of course, I'm down. So it just comes down to Fridays. you got to be listening 1145 each and every Friday for a shameless plug on 1460 KXNO as I hand out winners. Well, and Stat Boy continues to do his uh, random 9 or 10 or 11 team parlays where he, uh, he stacks together all of the uh, – Clear favorites, and I think he's—I think he's won three or four of them now. So maybe that's the way to go: is just go out and find the uh, ten highest money lines available and just uh, combine them together. If it works, it all pays the same. Just got to find a way to string together wins and end up in the positive side at the end of the season. Biz, we will talk again next week. Enjoy Kiddick homecoming this weekend. You gonna get your picture taken with B.J. Armstrong? He's the Grand Marshal of the parade. Oh, and, and Bob Sanders is the. Uh... The captain on Saturday, so yeah, they, they've got some uh, got some Hawkeye legends returning. So I, I am, I believe, going to attend the parade. We have a three-year-old, which uh, I think that's about the only age that actually enjoys the homecoming parade. But he will enjoy it. Uh, I will not. 
Understandable. I'll be in Osage this weekend. I'll hold down the fort, and I'll make sure to tell every Green Devil that I see hi from you. How's that sound? Sounds good. It's uh, Osage High School. Better than all, Trent. So high you cannot rate her. Four C's our alma mater. Some, some, some taking, taking a, a liberal, some liberal rhyming there. So, go off. Go off.